0: welcome to TA1. Everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some, and we've been heavy on the then some this uh, last week at the uh, Fantasy Eco Challenge site. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, back from uh, almost three weeks in Iceland, uh, covering the Fire and Ice Ultra Marathon. Six-day run, lots of interesting people, really got to see uh the Highlands of uh, Iceland. Extremely well-run race. Uh, I know uh, a handful of people that have done it, I think, would agree. And uh, if you're looking for a challenge, uh, you might want to do it next year. It looks uh, like there's a chance like I may go back even. So keep updated on that. Then uh, Paulette and I did nine, eight days, kind of the ring road No set agenda. Basically, we would uh, Google where to go next, where to camp, what to see, um, what's closest hot springs to us, and uh, ended up finding and going to some really, really cool places. Uh, To quote her approximately 15 times, oh, yeah, this is is the best place we've been so far. Anyway, great country, um, very beautiful, interesting, always something to see, but... um, that's probably no secret i'm not telling you anything new uh so coming up in the uh next few weeks we got some itera coverage we got some croatia and uh, hopefully i think even rodriguez island so we will be uh in the thick of uh adventure race podcasting for a while so anyway um we'll get on with this one um this one's been sitting here for a while. Sorry, Maria. But uh, as I remember, and I may have, I may even have to listen to this one. This was a pretty cool one. So uh, enjoy, go fast, take chances. Thanks for listening. And uh, can you believe Eco Challenge? All right, bye.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> no worries. Oh, it happens to me all the time.
0: Yes, okay. Let's Is, <laughs> no, that's recording. I,
1: since WhatsApp has taken up, I haven't over. I haven't really used Skype so much. I always use WhatsApp now. Um,
0: you know, and I actually use it quite a bit when I'm out, but I haven't yep. put it on. Um, haven't put it on my on my desktop, but I think I should do that because I've had several people want to use that. It works really great, like traveling.
1: Yeah. No. It's actually, I only use it on the phone, so I didn't know you could. Put it on um, desktop. You
0: can. You can. I, I didn't either, and I just looked it up, and then I thought, well, you know, then there's one more technical thing. Let's try Skype.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's some There's some way, isn't there, to connect?
0: Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I used it uh, calling a landline yesterday, of all things. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: pretty good. Pretty good for overseas yeah. stuff, anyway.
0: I know. It's amazing what the last... <laughs> Five years have done so.
1: Um,
0: why don't you introduce yourself, so I know who you are?
1: <laughs> All right. So yeah, I'm Maria Leestam. I am. I'm actually half English and half Swedish. Um, I have a Swedish father, English mother, mm-hmm. but I was born in the UK and I've lived most of my life in the UK. Although at the moment we've just bought a summer house in Sweden, so I spend summers in Sweden, which is fabulous. Hence why I got um, involved in this Nordic Islands adventure race. Um, I am 41 years young, (laughs) I should say. Um, I'm mother of two little girls. I've got a two-year-old called Orla and a four-year-old called Clara, who really keep me on my toes. They are super busy all the time. Um, But yeah, I'm still trying to keep my adventurous life alive and um yeah the Nordic Islands race is just a brilliant um thing to kind of get me back into it. You know, I've had five years since the South Pole I've had about five years off. So yeah, it was a really good kick start to get back into it because I've always loved adventure racing. Um I suppose I'm more of an adventure racer than anything else, but then I um I kind of moved away from it for a while and got more into solo expeditions such as the South Pole and um, Siberia and things like that. Um, But, yeah, having now got back into adventure racing, I'm really, really inspired to do more. So, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I I also run um, the Burn Series Adventure Races at Home, which is a company I started about 10 years ago, which is all based around adventure racing, but it's making it accessible for families with children um, to experience adventure racing for a first time, so I'm all about promoting the sport as you are. So um, yeah, really happy to to kind of collaborate on things.
0: So sweet. Well, there you just gave me about an hour's worth of questions. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what what was the same and what was the difference coming back to adventure racing after five years?
1: Um, so the one really big thing was now that I am a mother of two little girls, um, as all mothers and probably fathers will know, time is very, um, short and, um, the time for training was, you know, I probably put about three hours a week into training only. That sounds absolutely nothing. That sort of sounds like something that somebody just going to a gym and having an office job would sort of do, um, not somebody who's about to take on a 700-kilometer expedition adventure race. Um, But this was simply down to the fact that I just didn't have time to do more. So I had to make those three hours really, really count. And so even though in the past, so for example, with the South Pole, the training I did for that, it was all very sport-specific and just lots of hours in the saddle, pedaling. I needed to get strong thighs, strong glutes. You know, It was all about that sort of thing. Um, and many, many hours of it. Whereas with this, it was actually much shorter hours, but just really focused on strength. So, um, I did some personal training, um, and worked really on the core and the, yeah, and, and just the strength in my body. I can't think of how many squats and planks I held and things like that. But in those three hours, I just made it really counter. So going into this race, I was super, super, super nervous that my, fitness and endurance level wouldn't be there um so i think the you know the big difference from how i used to train to how i am now training um is you know fundamentally different and actually seems to be much more efficient i think i felt stronger in this race than i have ever felt before which was amazing i was so surprised um at how it all went so yeah, I think that's really the biggest difference between how I used to be and mm-hmm. and starting off again now.
0: Yeah. Do you, I mean obviously you have a huge background and and you know body's been built up over many years. Do you think, um, let's say, an like an Ironman finisher, if they you know did your regiment three hours a week, hard, hard like that, you think they could could uh, adventure race?
1: Could they adventure race? Um, Or do you think
0: they'd need more training?
1: No, I think, you know, if somebody's doing Ironmans, their bodies are already um, conditioned to doing endurance endurance sport. And, you know, the difference with endurance sport is that a lot of it is in the mind. It's about pain management because, God, do we feel pain, you know, when we're doing these (laughs) things. Um, So a lot of it is pain management. A lot of it is knowing how much you can push yourself. That's the other thing is, you know, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people would get to a point point they think, that's it, I can't do anymore. But then actually the body is capable of so, so much more than we think it is. And also if your body's got a history of doing endurance sport, you know, there's a lot of, I, I suppose it's muscle memory, but also just like, you know, y- I guess back to the mind again, mind memory that you can do so much more. So I think anyone doing an adventure race could definitely do an adventure, sorry, an Ironman could definitely do an adventure race. Um, The big difference is obviously, because those adventure races at 12, 24 hours. So, you know, in terms of time scale, it's about the same as an Ironman. Um, But the big difference is is the sleep deprivation. Now that adds a whole different dynamic um, to the sport because the way you are when you're sleeping deprived compared to when you are you know fully rested it's very very different and of course with an Ironman it's it's just a completely solo sport it's just yourself to worry about and it's just go as fast as you can. Adventure racing you've got your team and when everyone's sleep deprived it turns into a real big amazing dynamic um, which you know you just don't know how it's going to go. I think even some of the most successful adventure races have probably been in teams where it, you know it's not quite worked because of that that sleep deprivation so you know that's the big that's the biggie i would say with adventure racing is knowing how you can cope with it and I think probably as a mother and all mothers out there, we are very conditioned to not sleeping very well and being woken at the most unearthly hours. And so, um, you know, I think that all really helps. And I think that's why I was feeling so strong in this last race, because, you know, the sleep deprivation, it wasn't something I was worrying about. And again, if you worry about the sleep side of things, then I think it's going to be worse for you. But if you don't worry about it, it's amazing how little sleep we can get by on. Yeah. So. Yeah, any any iron men out there? I think, and women, obviously, iron men and women, you know, get out there and do an adventure race. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's kind of funny because I was going to kind of like uh, humorously say, you know, you you have worked on your sleep deprivation for the last four years, but it it really is true that uh, yeah, having kids isn't a bad preparation for adventure racing
1: no i think um i think it actually makes a, a woman's body stronger mm-hmm. because we have done sort of a serious amount of endurance work just you know ha- ha- growing the child and having the child and looking after the child you know that is endurance to the ultimate yeah. really. and so all of that i think i think really really does help <laughs> and, um, yeah i think the other like i mentioned it's about fearing i think quite often you know if, if, for example, you've had a bad night's sleep and you get up and you go to work in the morning and, you know, you, you feel sleep deprived and you've got an important meeting, you worry you're not going to perform well in that meeting. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is around the worry of not getting sleep. Um, but, you know, I didn't actually feel particularly tired at all through the whole thing, even though I was literally awake for six days. I, I felt pretty good. It was, it was actually only the very last leg, which was the kayak leg, that um, in fact, we all popped a few caffeine tablets and all sort of turned into superheroes within half yeah. an hour. <laughs> so, yeah, it was quite funny.
0: Yes, but that's very common. I uh, talked with Chad Spence yesterday from about the race. He said, Yeah, it's just, you get in that, you know, you're in rhythm and the water's moving in. It's like, I mean, how can you not sleep?
1: and it's dark. it was dark when we were in it as well so and we were in the fjords it was just the most incredible incredible experience um but yeah that was really the only time that i kind of felt tired which is amazing but i think a lot of it was to do with you know the the terrain and the country that we crossed was just spectacular and some of the climbs and the descents and the mountain biking was just unreal um, and the white water, you know, it was kind of serious white water um, paddling as well. So, you know, they kept us on our toes. And um, Stefan definitely gave us, um, yeah, gave us a lot to, to think about. You know, it's quite a technical race. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. well, we're, since we're talking about the race, we'll talk about that a little bit, and then we'll. Yeah. I just, I got a lot of things I want to know about you, but. <laughs> yeah. And I sort of know about about the race now because I've been talking to people, but um you guys you know hard days night love the name how how did you how did you finish fourth i mean that's you know <laughs> finishing the course was re- remarkable but so what was um your secret
1: so you know it's a, it's a really good question because we had no idea that we'd come forth when we finished <laughs> um because i think you know we were really playing our own game um we we weren't fast we definitely weren't fast in fact there were sections we could have been much faster had we you know really pushed but i think we were a totally new team well in fact the three guys knew each other really well they'd raced together before and i was more of a last minute sort of stand in a way um i i just hadn't met the guys beforehand um we're, as you'll see from our age we 're all a little bit older. We were sort of between forty and fifty um years old, so we're a much older, mature team. I think between us, we've probably done about oh i'd say sort of at least six or seven expedition adventure races each, so it's quite a lot of experience from different races all around the world yes. um, and it was it was really playing our own game. There was a number of teams um it was both the Canadian team. Um, and also the q80 team that we were sort of we'd pass them they'd pass us we'd pass them they passed us you, you know for sort of three or four days and um, we were playing this sort of passing us game which is really nice actually because it can get quite lonely out there on an adventure racing course because there's such huge distances you, you know after the first half day you've pretty much lost everyone but we were we were kind of skipping to and from uh, between each other and the whole time it was never come on we're going to go it faster to race them it's play our own game play our own game the whole time um and you know even right to the very very end that's what we did and um we were lucky enough actually to it was a canadian team that we caught out on the last on the last march and that was simply because i think they were struggling a lot with their feet they had some yeah. some yeah. bad foot and i'm not sure exactly what it was and we were able just to descend off the mountain a lot quicker than them and then get in the boats and paddle and and get to the finish so but even then, you know, we weren't really thinking race, race, race. We were thinking we're just going to get there, you know, because this is one big expedition race. Um, it's a really tough one. It's one of the hardest ones that I've done. Um, but again, you know, we worked really well as a team as well. What was great is there was there were no egos in the team when somebody was struggling or needed to share weight or, you know, be towed or something like that. You know, we all helped each other out. There was no egos at all. Um, it was it worked so well. Um, you know we were openly communicating with each other all the time although we also had very quiet moments at certain times which was good as well and I think I really like the Australian kind of I don't know if it's an Australian thing or if just I was lucky these three guys were just um, so Joel, Andre and Grant were just a really kind of calm um, yeah just very calm sort of yeah understanding guys you know and they obviously had a really good relationship and they were all really funny it was just it was a really good fun six days that we had out there so uh, you know I think that was the key to it we weren't going to go and beat the Swedes you know they're they're leaps and bounds ahead of us but you know I think we could have possibly moved a bit faster in certain places but you know I kind of think we got to finish and we got there in fourth which None of us were expecting at all, um, so that was just a, a huge, huge result. So yeah, really pleased.
0: Very, very cool. So, uh, kind of a two-parter here. How did how did you meet the team, and and more importantly, how long? So you're you're going with three guys that know each other. How long does it take before you're you you feel like you're part of the team?
1: Oh, gosh, it was about 20 minutes. (laughs) We met, we all sat down, had a massive lunch. um, And then we just got straight into sorting out our kit. You know, we were in the supermarket running around with our trolleys, just joking around and trying to decide what we're going to have for our transition bags and things. And, you know, straight away, I felt very accepted in the team. And I guess because there were no kind of preconceived ideas and there was no, you know, we didn't know how it would all be. Um, we did get on our bikes and go out for a little cycle um, the day before just to check that the bikes were working and everything. And, you know, I think, yeah, straight away, they were just, they were such lovely, relaxed, kind of calm guys. And, you know, and this, this ego thing that I talked about, you know, quite yeah. I, a few times I've been yeah. in a team where the egos has got in the way, you know, and it just doesn't work. With adventure racing, you can't feel yeah. like that. Yeah. You can't do that. So, you know, and... um I kind of went into it thinking, okay, they are a team. They're already a team, the three of them, and I've got to do what I can not to interfere too much in one way, um, but make sure that I contribute enough. I've got to be able to really hold my own. I've got to be able to, you know, to contribute to the team as well. And, you know, so it, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a fine balance really between all of that. But yeah, we, we seem to gel really quickly and, um, yeah, had a great time.
0: Yeah. So have you, so we'll go back a little bit. When did you start adventure racing and have you like always had teams or are you usually picking up people or joining teams or how's, how's your career gone?
1: Um, so adventure racing, I started in 2007. So quite a long time ago. Um, and I did, um, a race across Ireland, um, which is my first ever one. It was actually part of a media team, um, and that, they were guys that I had, some of them I had previously raced with. Um, and that was, but doing other, other kind of race, like some min, mini races. So other mini adventure races. So not expedition yeah. ones. Um, and then I did, I did a UK adventure race and then I did the Portugal World Championships. And these were all with people that I'd done sort of you know one day you know whether it's quest stars or one day sort of adventure races with um and then i actually did a race across patagonia and that again was as a stand-in so quite because i'm yeah i'm not i, I sort of on a few occasions i've kind of seen a race happening i thought oh i'd love to do it and there's only three weeks to go <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's more of a case of fill in um than, than actually you know find a put together team i mean i would yeah. love to put together an adventure racing team that i race with regularly um but again that takes a lot of time and you you, know, you want to really focus on the training and side of things like that so you know that's the kind of thing that now having children i don't I can't really afford the time to do so um yeah so it's been a mixture really of racing with with people I know and and being kind of a stand-in, so in fact both of the races I've done as a stand-in have actually gone really well. Even in the Patagonia race that I did in two thousand and was it two thousand thirteen, uh, we came fourth in that one, and that was a very long, difficult race. So, um, yeah,
0: yeah. Patagonia is always and and let me guess, you would go back and do that race in a second if you could.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> Although when I was asked nordic islands or patagonia i did actually say nordic islands has just topped it because i've got the connection to scandinavia i love the concept of starting in the mountains of one country and finishing in the fjords of the other of another um i love the amount of sort of water as well you know the the pack raft i'd never actually pack raft before because when we were in Patagonia in 2013, it was kind of just as pat rafting was coming into adventure racing. Mm. And we didn't have a pat raft with us. So we ended up having to walk around all the lakes instead of pat raft across them. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like
1: the Yoga Slackers, for example, did. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think um, – I, th- I love and the kayaking, obviously. And, yeah, there was just a lot uh, – the, the, yeah, I think the Nordics kind of topped it, funnily okay, enough. That's,
0: <laughs> that's high praise indeed. But yeah. let's let's talk Patagonia for a minute because you you were on a team that actually finished, and that's pretty rare.
1: Yeah, we well, in fact, we didn't complete the full course. I don't think anyone that year completed the full okay. full course. Um, we didn't complete the full full course. We did come fourth um, um, overall, and uh, yeah, I mean there was some. I mean, one trek took us about three days or something <laughs> because it was literally forest. Um, dense dense forest that we were probably traveling at about you know 0.5 kilometers now or not even that you know it was such slow going um and then you know we got to a point where we were on some cliff edge and had to use the ropes we had to abseil ourselves off it and you know it was really really quite extreme and you know the kayaking was very um exposed as well you know it was a full-on dry suit activity and um, yeah, there, there was quite a lot going on in that race. So, um, but it was in um, it started up in Torres del Paine National Park. So, again, you know, it's kind of a landmark place that yeah. you have to visit before you die, sort of thing. So, you know, and I got to do it at the race, So that's brilliant. Yeah. Was cool. was that the year it was so windy the first day? Um, was it windy? And we started at midnight. Um, and okay. We started, we started in Puerto Pret- Natales. And then mm-hmm. we arrived at Torres del Pan National Park sort of the next morning. So, no, I don't think it was too windy. Oh, and then we had okay. to cross one of the glaciers as well, which is incredible. Kayaks past icebergs. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, icebergs and things. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was the kind of thing you just don't do on a normal holiday, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. I was trying, I was trying to. You would think I could remember, because my wife has done it twice, and you'd think I could remember what years they were, but I can't. It wasn't that year. (laughs) It
1: was 2013. Yeah, it was 2013, January 2013
0: I was there. Yeah, she – the the second time she did it was – well, if you look at, like, the little trailer video for it, and you see somebody getting literally blown off their bike, that's her.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) – but, yeah, um, I, you go back. I would love to go back and uh, yeah, yeah, it,
0: give it another go. <laughs> everybody does. It's it's very bizarre. I mean, she had, you know, on paper, the worst experiences in the world because the teams weren't that great. And, you know, and, and actually last year she had a team ask her if she wanted to go and she didn't even think about it and said yes. So there, there's just something about Patagonia that gets in you, you people's minds blood i think
1: oh it's the wild isn't it i mean um, there were some areas we crossed and i thought do you know animals haven't even been here let alone humans it was that sort of feel you know it was just yeah it was phenomenal (laughs) it is
0: is. so when you're out someplace like that and i think maybe patagonia is the 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 spot where this really happens and you're on a three-day trek and you're moving at less than half a kilometer an hour are you having fun?
1: <laughs> Does that say it all? <laughs> um, well, it's a type two thing going on, I guess. Um, the at the time, it's uh, you know, it's hard. I remember having very painful, swollen, throbbing feet. Um, but then I think it's just you know, I just can't help that feel of. I've got to just keep going. I just got to keep going. I can do more. I can do more. And my whole, the whole time, I sort of have these mantras all the time when I'm doing these things. And it was the same at the South Pole. I had, you know, the mantra going on about keep the pedals turning. And, you know, it's like, just keep going. It's another few hours. It's still another few hours. Okay. It's a few more hours. It's fine. It's only a couple more hours. You know, it's that whole thing. And, you know, I, I, I suppose I find fun in that. I find enjoyment in that being able to push myself. Through all of that, Um, it certainly hurts. But then also, I quite like the idea of. It's going to make me sound really strange, but the pain management side of things, I quite, I kind of quite enjoy being able to manage it because I've learned over over the time that if you fear the pain that you're feeling, it's going to feel twice as bad. So if you don't feel it and just let it happen, it's not as bad. I don't know if that makes sense, but. And it's this, it's a psych, a real psychology thing going on with that. So yeah, managing the fear of pain, I think is a really big deal. And you know, if you can manage that, you know, you can manage a lot of things. Um, so I kind of feel it's building my character. It's building, you know, my ability to do things. And so I really enjoy and, of course, I have to always tell myself, you know, look around, look around, look where you are, look at where you are, you know, look at what you're doing, look what you've just done as well. You know, you've. All, it's, I always make sure that in adventure racing I don't look too far forward because, I mean, I know back to the Nordic Islands, I remember thinking we've got a 61-kilometer trek followed by a 225-kilometer mountain bike. Oh, my God, how am I going to go on no sleep? And if I, if I allow myself to think, you know, a couple of legs ahead, I'd kind of panic. But if I just said to myself, okay, I'm on the six or one kilometer track, I've done 10k, in another 10k we'll get to a checkpoint. Just think about the checkpoint and, and think like that, short term, short term, short term, the whole time, because then you can kind of control, control it a bit more. Because if you're in a lot of pain and you're thinking of a milestone, way way down the down the line you know it's going to be more difficult to control the pain than if you're just thinking of when okay well in two hours i'm going to get to a checkpoint where i'll be able to you know open a packet of maltesers or whatever it might be you know something like that but just something to look forward to so yeah i guess i do enjoy it definitely i do cool
0: um so you talk about the fear of pain is is it the managing the fear of the pain or managing the pain is is or are they the same thing or
1: no well it's very difficult to manage pain unless you have a method for doing it so the method for doing it is managing your fear of that pain okay that makes sense so if i'm really worried about the feet and the damage it's going to do to me and the fact that i've got another 10 kilometers and i can barely put my foot down because it's really swollen I'm going to panic about it and it's going to hurt so much more. Mm-hmm. But if, as I walk, I just, I kind of think of things like, you know, just let the foot feel the ground, let the foot feel the shoe, let the shoe take the pressure off. It's fine. It's okay. Just one foot in front of the other. It's all fine. You know, it's, it's that not allowing myself to worry about the pain, the fear of the pain. So it's kind of one of the strategies. And I think with uh, the South Pole again, um, I was having the knee pain, um really bad knee pain and you know if I thought about it I actually would physically cry my eyes out if I tried not to think about what it was doing to my knee and just say you know one more pe- turn of the pedal and I'm one more turn of the pedal closer to my goal just, just have to do a few more of those it's fine just keep the pedals turning then I'd be fine and it wouldn't hurt and it actually wouldn't hurt as much so it's strange it's all psychology um, but it yeah. really works it really works
0: Yeah. Well, Paulette says when she's hurting, she says to herself, is this going to kill me? And if the answer is no, you just keep going.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So what kind of a special idiot wants to bicycle to the South Pole?
1: (laughs) This one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So, so
0: so first of all, how did, how did you you think about it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, so it was 2010 and I had just quit my job. I jumped on a plane. I'd gone to New Zealand um, and decided to cycle a length of the country. It was simply because I just wanted to get away from things for a while mm-hmm. and to do a sport that I loved and to see a country which I loved. So I'd been there once before, but it was before was trail, you know, on and off the bus, this kind of thing. Um, and I thought, yeah, cycle a length of the country. And I was doing a, a, obviously a lot of cycling, and I was in. I'd found out. In fact, I'd I'd found out a little while back that um, from New Zealand you can get to Antarctica. I knew that you know from um, South Africa you can get to Antarctica, from um, South America, and from New Zealand. they sort of the three entry points into Antarctica. I'd always thought about Antarctica as a young child. Um, just because I was just really fascinated by this place. I didn't really know what it was or whether there were people there or, you know, what it was. And and I always thought, hey, that'd be, you know, quite a cool place to go. And I was in an internet cafe on South Island um, and I just Googled cycling Antarctica. And then I started thinking, I wonder if you could cycle in Antarctica. I wonder if you could cycle to the pole. So I started Googling a bit more. And and then I found out that, you know, nobody had ever successfully really cycled much in Antarctica. Some people, like Doug Stoop, I think, had done a few uh, bike journeys in Antarctica, but nobody had ever actually cycled from the edge of the Antarctic continent to the South Pole. And at that stage, I'd just done sort of 20 odd days of 150 kilometer cycle. You know, I was getting fairly fit, bike yeah. fit, thinking how much I love cycling and love this sport. And I just put the two together and thought, right, I've just got to be the first to cycle there. That is so cool. I just can't wait. Um, and then the more I learned about it, the more I thought well, what a ridiculous idea it was, because, um, everyone that I spoke to was a bit like, what? What? Are you serious? What? No, you can't do that. It's not possible. No, you can't. And, and as time was going on, I found out about more people that were sort of thinking about the idea and, and, uh, one chap, Eric Larson, an uh, American guy actually, um, mm. he had attempted to cycle there and I think, you know, he, he just found it really, really hard. Um, and not managed to get there. And so, you know, all of the indicators were that it wasn't possible um, and that it couldn't be done. Um, But thankfully, all of this information that I was finding, finding out helped me really develop and design my idea for how I was going to get to the South Pole. And that's when we started to look at different route options to the traditional um, Hercules Inlet route, which you know, 99% of expeditions go to the South Pole. <sharp inhale> the South Pole and go from Hercules Inlet to the South Pole. Um, but yeah, I was looking at other options, um, and then the other side of it was the design of the bike that I was going to use, and then we came up with the Polar Cycle idea. And when I use the term "we," it was myself, my father, my fiance, and um, and then my uh, current sort of bike company that I was working with um, was Corus Titanium Bikes. I used to ride their bikes with some Ironmans that I did and some other bike races and things. Um, and also when I'd been out to Siberia to cycle across um, Lake Baikal, I used their bikes. So, you know, they were all part of the team of developing this Polar Cycle. Um, and then when we came up with the initial contact uh, or concept, uh, we, went, we then went to a company called Inspired Cycle Engineering who actually built um, the Polar Cycle for us. So, you know, that's kind of – I suppose that's quite a long story.
0: <laughs> no, no, before. no. You, you, you can take as long as you want to tell this story. I'm fascinated. So was the bike basically what we'd call a fat bike now?
1: Um, no, so it had three wheels because, ah. um, number one, I knew that the wind always – came from the South Pole so whichever direction I was going to head I was going to have a head on wind yeah. um, I'd, I'd tested both in Iceland and um, out in Siberia cycling in sort of snow both with a fat bike and with a you know normal bike with studded tires etc trying different tire pressures and different tire widths and things like that um that actually cycling in deep soft snow is is just a no-go we just don't have the power to be Mm -hmm. able to put through whatever however sophisticated the bike is we don't have the sufficient power to put through it to be able to travel through deep snow that's why you end up putting your foot down all the time and you know in siberia there were some areas where there was pure ice so it was great brilliant cycle really fast on that with some studs in your tires but um on on when as soon as it was more than probably about four to five inches deep it was you know it's a no-go it really is a no-go if it's soft snow and so stability was the absolute key thing and that's when you know we were playing with the idea of four wheels or is it two wheels with some sort of ski stabilizers or what's it going to be and actually we decided to come up with this three three three-wheel plan which I actually had two wheels at the front and one at the back so it's a different sort of setup, um, but it really gave me all the stability, and it was a rear-wheel drive, but I was sitting in a position whereby I could assist with my hands on the front wheels if I needed to, oh. so it's a cool concept, um, and uh, it, it actually allowed me to cycle every single metre of the way, which, you know, you wouldn't do on a bike. Yeah, um, that's me. And when, yeah, when I was out there, there were actually two other guys that were trying to get to the south pole and they both used fat bikes one of them ended up skiing sort of 70 80 percent of the way towing his bike on a sledge um and the other guy he ended up pushing his bike for over half of it and to me you know if i'm going to cycle to the south pole i want to cycle there i don't want to push it or pull it or or anything like that so for it to be a worthwhile exercise for me i wanted to, to make sure i could cycle the whole way um, so that was the reason behind the design of cycle.
0: Interesting. So how how long did um, was the uh, testing phase you know figuring out the bike and stuff? Well, know, started, how long did that take?
1: Yeah we stuck because um, in March when was it in March 2012, I was out in Siberia and I was still thinking bike and two wheels then. Um, so coming but shortly coming but after coming back from then was then when we came up with the new idea. And then it was in around um, July time, June July time that I had the first prototype. Um, and then which I was then testing just, you know, at home, really, just to get a, get an idea of the, the position. And, you know, I'd never cycled one of these like recumbent type bikes before. So I had no idea whether I'd be comfortable or whether my muscles would work for it in that way and things like that. So um, I spent quite a bit of time testing it. And then um, we went out to Iceland um, to do, you know, more specific um, testing on some of the glaciers there because the route that I'd chosen, um, the way that I went was through the Transantarctic mountain range. So I started on the Leverett Glacier um, or on the Ross Ice Shelf and I climbed up the Leverett Glacier through the Transantarctic mountain range. And that was, you know, it's a serious mountain. It's a 3,000 metre mountain. So I climbed 3,000 metres in about 90 kilometres. So I had to be able to cycle up something pretty steep. You know, the steepest mm. point, it was about 25%. It was a wow. super steep gradient. Um, and um, so the gearing and everything like that had to really be thought through. So in Iceland, I was able actually to test on one of the glaciers that had a similar, it wasn't quite a steep, but it was a similar sort of snow consistency and a similar um, gradient. Um, and after that we came back and then there was a further iteration we made some adjustments to the height of my feet and we needed to push the rear wheel closer underneath my body and things like that just to make sure we could gain as much traction as we could um so yeah it, it, it did take quite a while but the guys that inspired cycle engineering they were brilliant they were you know they were just they just loved um designing you know these these bikes they just loved it and um they were just so focused on the technical side of it they were mainly just interested in the technical side of it and the development the design of it and and so yeah they were brilliant they they kind of when i first went to meet them actually i kind of thought they'd go what are you bonkers no you're never going to do that but they kind of went yeah sure when do you want it and i thought what <laughs> so uh, yeah they were really good really good yeah.
0: um all right we're not done yet but i got a, a personal question who is, who is more excited about you doing this, your fiance or your dad?
1: Well, um, I think my fiance has been absolutely fantastic. He's like supported, he supports all my crazy ideas. He doesn't necessarily like them all, but he does support them (laughs) all. Um, and now even more so since we've got young girls, you know, kind of when I go off, he's sort of lumbered with them. So, um, yeah, the last race I did was 10 days away. Um, and in fact, my parents and Wayne kind of, you know, held the fort here for me and looked after the girls. So, you know, he—he's. I think he's very proud of the South Pole record. He will always be first to sort of tell someone about it. I kind of keep kind of quiet about it because, you know, I'm not so good on social media and I don't really do very much on that. And, you know, of course, I do interviews like this, but I, I don't, you know, tell everyone I meet about it at all, whereas... You know he will he will definitely bring it up in conversation with people. So I think he you know he's very proud of it, and my parents are too. Of course they are. Um, uh, you know my my poor mother she does not sleep when I go away and do things. She stays <laughs> awake just as much. So yeah, I had nine hours sleep in six days. I think she probably had nine hours sleep in six days as well. So, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so I I will attest to your humbleness. Um, honestly, the only way I I knew about the South Pole is. There's a little bio on your on your Skype page.
1: Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: so um, I do have
1: a website, but I've not touched it in sort of four years. So uh, I, well, no, I have something on Nordic Islands on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have a website too, and it's got like one picture on it. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, I, I, Well, I, I mean, I, it takes a ton of time to do your well, any social media too, and.
1: Exactly. Uh, you got better things to do. <laughs> I just don't have time. And actually, I'm a little bit against the social media thing because I think if you're really good at social media, you can make out you're much better than you are. Whereas I'd rather mm-hmm. just be good at what I do. And if people, you know, like it, then great. But I don't want to be pushing it all the time. I just feel that's, I don't know, it kind of goes against the grain for me a little bit. Um, although I do know it is important to, to do all of that because otherwise maybe you can hear about you in this day and age of social media. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fighting against that a little bit. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, but I, I get the feeling you don't do it be, for other people. You do it for yourself. Uh,
1: totally, yeah. It's, so. it's, it's, literally, I, I had a dream about – about it was really about Antarctica. And then when I was cycle fit and I saw nobody cycle sapphire, I thought, I want that. I really want and, yeah, it was totally, totally for me, yeah, 100%. Does,
0: does it add just a little bit that you beat two guys basically head-to-head?
1: Head? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's interesting is, you know, I will never sort of say I'm fitter and stronger and all that kind of thing than yeah. a lot of men out there because, you know, physically as women we're not. However, when it comes to endurance side of things, it's such an interesting Um, story. In fact it's something I really want to look into a lot more is sort of endurance in women and I think you know with the records of Yasmin Paris and Nikki Spinks and all these incredible women that have shown that once it gets a certain point in endurance women are made for it. We are absolutely made for it and I think it's all linked to you know, being mothers and childbirth and all that kind of thing. You know, it mm-hmm. preps our bodies to be able to do it, and you know, I think that's really fascinating. But the other thing with the South Pole is, I think it was a lot of it was just around the kind of the 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 the, um, the plan, the thought process behind it. Well, I didn't follow the standard route. I didn't follow the normal bike setup. I didn't do this. I, and I and I totally understand that. I think, you know, as a cycling record, true cyclists who are into, you know, their two-wheeled bikes will think, oh, well, it was a three-wheeled bike, so it's not the same thing. But actually, it was the machine for the job. It was the one thing that actually made me fly. I got there in less than 11 days. Um, yes, it was very hard physically cycling and it was freezing and all those sorts of things, but yeah. I planned it so well. The route's brilliant, the Polar Cycle was brilliant, I planned all my kit brilliantly, I pla- you know, it was all the planning and all that side of it that went into it that made it so good Um, that, you know, I think that I'm that I'm really proud of all that side of it definitely it took me four years to plan it all and organize it all just getting to Antarctica you know I had to go to the foreign commonwealth office and you know ask for permission and get permits to get there you know because I was doing it as a totally self-planned expedition as opposed to going with an expedition company so the other guys would have paid um the expedition company ALE their money to fly them in they cycle and then they get picked up and they brought home again sort of thing so it's You know, my expedition was a completely raw start start from start to finish kind of expedition. And I loved all that. I love that sort of side of things as well. So, you know, that's the fact that, I, you know, I beat them. Yeah, I was going to beat them. Yeah, that was in my plan. (laughs) You know, I'd planned to beat them. (laughs) I'm not going to try and be the first person. Even though they started weeks ahead of me, you know, I had that kind of quiet confidence. And also... I hadn't told the world what I was doing. I'd kept it all totally secret until one week before I left the UK. Uh, my mother, who is a journalist, did send out a press release. It, she had my approval; it was fine. Um, she sent out a press release to say that that's I, what I was doing, um, and so we did get a bit of coverage in like the Financial Times and the Telegraph and the Independent and things like that, um, which are the you know the national papers in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I think Sky covered a story somewhere and, you know, there was a couple of sort of bigger places. But it was literally, they'd already set off, you know, and it was one week before whereas they'd been talking about it on their blogs and their websites for sort of six months a year leading up to it. So I knew what their plan was. I knew what they were going to do and I kind of knew they'd find it quite hard. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of quietly confident.
0: Very cool. I guess the only thing I would say about the social media is – there's a there's a fair amount of people that really would be interested in the story in, in hearing more about it. So you know, in in that way, it, it can be it can be a benefit to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I think you know, I, I think social media, yes, it it is a good thing. But um, I, I'd kind of almost rather do it through things like this, podcasts, or through you know other journalists reporting on what I've done. Um, yeah. so yeah. it's kind of coming from someone else as opposed to from me because I know I just think you know people that have got well respected in their field so such as yourself if this is something of interest to you and you think it's really worth putting out there then brilliant you know I thank you very much for that and that's the kind of promotion that I want to try and get as opposed to me on a daily basis sort of hey look at this this is what I've yeah. done yeah. Um, yeah I'm just not very good at that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So let's, um, let's go back a little farther. So what was – how old were you and what was the first thing you did that freaked your mother out?
1: Uh, oh, um, well, I actually sort of started a little later in life with sort of sport and activity. And it was – when I was at university, I was a member of the officer training corps, um, which is sort of part of the, the army um, in the UK. It's a sort of mm-hmm. university army um, wing, have you heard of it? No,
0: I don't. Yeah, I
1: don't so it's sort of training for the next officers. So you kind of okay. go through training whilst you're at university, and so okay. through that I got lots of my military training, but then also was introduced to more adventure sports um, and actually some really adventurous fun people. Um, and I started kind of hanging out with the wrong crowd. I don't do <laughs> lots of adventures. Um, and we'd go sort of kayaking in the middle of the night and walking up mountains and things like that. And, um, and then actually in a pub one evening, it was my boyfriend at the time, um, and his best friend, we decided to run across the Sahara Desert just for fun. Uh, so we signed up and ran the Marathon to Saab. Um, and after that, I think that was obviously my first experience of real endurance stuff. I'd, I'd done a couple of 50 milers in training for that and I'd never, I'd, I'd never really run a marathon actually before that. Um, it, it, yeah, it was um, yeah it was that kind of thing. And then um, I, did a, I did I done a few ultra like the lamb and the om and things like that, which are you know ultra marathon uh, ultra mountain marathons. Um, and then I just kind of got the vibe after that. I really loved the the because so the, well, the Sahara Desert was all about managing yourself and your feet in extremely hot temperatures which you really had to look after yourself to, to kind of complete it so and I was really proud to finish that with with no blisters at all and being fully hydrated and things like that so you know I, I kind of just learned a lot about that side of, of sport and I think it was at that stage I kind of moved from you know just sport to actually endurance and adventure activities in the way um, and then following that um, I, I, I was doing a few more ultra runs, and then I met somebody during the. It was the Thames Path Ultra, which runs along the, the Thames, the, the, the river Thames, going mm. into London, a fifty-mile race. And I met a guy there, and he told me about adventure racing. I went home, a good old Google again, googled it, came across the website Sleep Monsters, and then I was just hooked. <laughs> hooked wow. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it, really.
0: So, um when somebody – when you get an email and somebody says, hey, you want to do this really stupid thing, is your default to say yes?
1: Of course. <laughs> yeah, I say yes, and then I think of the consequences afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, now having children, it's it's a bit of a – I have to ring my mother and ask very sweetly and make sure Wayne's not off on business. And, yeah, so it's a bit yeah. more coordinating to do. But um, my mother is fabulous with my girls. So, yeah, she, she's really great and – yeah. In fact, of course, I'm I'm following this whole eco challenge thing now. And funnily enough, I didn't know anything about it until, you know, the Nordic Islands race when everyone was talking about it. Because I've been so off the scene for for the last five years, yeah. um, I didn't know anything about it at all. So, you know how can I get into this one? Can I write to them and sort of say, hey, I could be a last-minute (laughs) stand-in? So, uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what that does for us. I'm just really hoping that they don't commercialise it all too much and turn it too much into a... Bear grills. They've got to. I, I expect they're going to make them take their food away from them and make them go and kill a pig or something. You know, it's going to be something like that halfway through it, which is okay, but that's not really true to the adventure racing style. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I don't
0: think so because you know. I look at the at the teams that they picked, yeah. and they and and they've picked like the best adventure racing teams in the world. Yeah. Um, there's very few um, made-for-TV teams, you know. There's no Playboy bunnies, so I really am expecting it to be a serious, serious race. Um,
1: oh, I hope so. I really do. Yeah. I really do. Because um, otherwise, it just becomes another t- television reality show.
0: Yeah, and, and part of my thinking on that is is that um, Mark Barnett already has a made-for-TV reality show. It's called Survivor. He doesn't need an he doesn't need another survivor. So
1: yeah. Well I hope you're right. I really do. (laughs) I think adventure racing is just so beautiful the way it is and it's so pure and it's just all about sport and adventure and team and yeah. Non Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. I just you know, it's gonna be hard for everybody not to be able to follow it as it's happening. I think that's gonna be really really, really tough. Yeah. And then, boy, I can't imagine being a team that goes and coming home and not being able to say anything for six months.
1: Well I know. I know. Oh. <laughs> well I'm still available as a stand in if anyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so quick story. Last was it last week, two weeks ago, I had a team get in touch with me that they needed first they needed one more person. This was like Thursday and it had to be finalized on Saturday. And then Friday they needed another one, oh, don't and then, so was your yeah. wife
1: not tempted?
0: Um, no. Actually, no. we're gonna we're gonna be in Iceland, so.
1: Oh okay. <laughs> and
0: and kind of, that was kind of on purpose. Yeah. I mean, I had a I'm I'm gonna go shoot a race, and then we're gonna vacation. So. Oh lovely. Um, yeah. yeah so, it, it really was like so we're not tempted, but um, yeah. So, yeah, I I. I'll put you on the list, but I have people, yeah, still now. Like, hey, if anybody needs a teammate or a helper or whatever. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Oh my God, um, I'm all over it.
0: Well, you know, hopefully this will be, you know, it maybe shouldn't be every year, but maybe they do it every two years.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That would know, be good. I mean, Peter, um, I've never been there. That, uh, that's why the original, was it in 2002? Oh, they that they did they did an eco challenge there didn't they
0: yeah it's um well i think they were doing it every year but they had tv then uh. they had the tv contract and stuff so we'll yeah. see but i'll suggest you should think about expedition um oregon next spring
1: okay
0: that's a really 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 super good race
1: okay um, i'll yeah. put
0: that in your head yeah yeah um <laughs> Well, since we're racing, tell me a little about the Burn Series.
1: Ah, yes. So um, it was around the same time as when I was in New Zealand. When I came back from New Zealand, um, you know, I'd left my job just before I went. And I'd I'd been working in the corporate world. So my background, I'm actually a mathematician by background. That's my degree. Um, And then I've worked in Lean Six Sigma. Um, which is a sort of business process um, improvement, a continuous improvement methodology, um, and I've worked um, i worked for companies like BA Systems and Ford of Europe and Siemens and lots of big national, national multinational companies for about ten years. I love what I did but you know it just wasn't really me that sitting in an office being in meetings you know I kind of just wanted to do something for myself I always wanted to start my own company I thought you know this is a time I come back and that I love the way in New Zealand that sport was a way of life almost out there it wasn't you know you go out to do sport you get up and you live your life doing sport almost Mm -hmm. you know you cycle to work you have a quick swim after work you you know it's all part of the daily routine and you know whether it's young children or it's you know a sort of 75 year old grandmother you know they're all there in their trainers doing their sport and it was just such a lovely culture and the fact that sport was so easy and accessible there you know you could just throw somebody a couple of New Zealand dollars and you can go and hire a kayak. Whereas in the UK, you know, you have to sign X number of indemnity forms and you have to do this and that and you have to have a safety briefing. You know, it's just all really rigorous stuff. And I thought I would love to um, give people the opportunity to do, you know, sport and adventure. So base it on adventure racing, um, but all together as family. So when I started the Burn Series, which... Um, It's basically a one-day mini adventure race. It involves running, cycling, kayaking, some orienteering. Sometimes we'll have like some climbing in there, and we'll have other little, you know, maybe challenges um, along the way as well. Um, It was about getting families all together to come out to experience adventure racing. And when I started it in 2010, there were no other companies in the UK doing any sort of family adventure races it was either you know you can come and do a 10k run and then your child can do the child that you know the kids 1k yeah. run or something there was nothing where they can do it all together and multi-sport um so it was really fab to sort of set up this unique um there's and the, the 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 family one is called mini burn um and it's great for any you know no experience required whatsoever we've had as young as three-year-old <laughs> complete cool. mini Burns because Again, it's a team thing. So if daddy has to carry the three year old, that's absolutely fine. You know, it's about getting the family to the finish line. Um, And then we also run the burn, which is more for experienced um, adventure races or, you know, people that have got a pretty good level of fitness and some navigational skill. Um, And that's sort of like it's kind of like a five hour adventure race. So, you know, still a short adventure race um but again it's nice and local we run them around south wales um which is where i in, in the uk um which is where i live um and then yeah they're just really fun lovely days and i just love watching people finish you know run over a finish line with a big smile with the rest of their family and having achieved something that they you know they've not done before so it's really good fun and and then I also run some training courses as well, uh, based for sort of individuals or families or local schools and things um, in preparation for the for the races. So yes, it's a good good fun thing to do. Um, I focus more on really the South Pole and doing talks and things like that throughout the winter, and then in the summers I focus more on the burns. So yeah, it's a really good combination of of, of things that, that I'm involved in. So, yeah.
0: What's What's the um... What's the question you're tired of answering about the South Pole?
1: Uh, can I just tell you the, the cutest question I've ever been asked was I went into yes. a school. And uh, I was asked if I saw any snowmen. <laughs> 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 One little kid put his hand up and just said, did you see any snowmen? I thought that was the cutest thing I've
0: ever heard. <laughs> um, did you say, yeah, about day 10, that's all I saw was hallucinating snowmen.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'd become a snowman at that stage. <laughs> um, I think, I don't know, quite... Uh, I, I've done a couple of corporate talks and, um, of course, I'm a, addressing an audience that, you know, they're, they're not necessarily into adventure sports or mm-hmm. extreme things. You know, it's, I've been brought in to speak at a, uh, maybe, a, you know, a conference or something as something yes. different, you know, um, you know something motivational, inspiring, etc. Um, and quite often I'm just people will put a hand up and go, why on earth do you want to do it? as a you know you know it's just so and I totally understand why people don't understand why I do it because it is and like you asked you know do I actually enjoy it because I've been cold it's been hard I've been sweating I've been in pain you know what is it that I like and uh, and it's you know as I was explaining to you earlier it's kind of it's trying to explain that to people that aren't interested in necessarily in that kind of thing so you know I do get asked that a lot and I suppose I do like being asked it because I like to try and explain it, but it's really hard to explain. Um, you know, I can explain it to you and you totally understand it because you you get it. You know, yeah. you understand it. Um, but to somebody that just doesn't get it, 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 yeah, it's it's quite a difficult answer. So yeah. I kind of both yeah. and don't like the question. <laughs> yeah. This
0: this this huge audience that we have here, they're they're all like, well, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, so.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah, it's a totally different way of thinking, isn't it? It is. Then, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. I still, I'm still yet to kind of formulate my answer in a really succinct way that they could really um, sort of, a, a, I suppose, a, associate with. Um, so yeah, it's
0: yeah. I mean, when it really comes down to it, Mallory's answer of because it's there,
1: yeah, exactly. is almost as
0: good as anything, right?
1: Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, quite often, you know, I will say, well, because it had never been done before, it was begging to be done. You know, no one had ever cycled to Southport. I wanted to be the first. You know, uh-huh. that, was, that was my motivation. It really was. Yeah.
0: So, well, that yeah, that's understandable.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, all right. We're going to wrap this up with I got a couple more questions and then half the time I have a couple more. And, but um, so let's let's look ahead a little bit so you you you're back you got the a r bug again, which nope. is good, <laughs> but do you have um a Google search for your next big solo adventure, even if it's <laughs> ten years away oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, well you don't have to you don't have to tell us what it is,
1: yeah. It's actually not a solo, and it's, it's with a good friend of mine who's also an am- well, no, she is an amazing adventurer. racer. Um, we are bouncing a few ideas around and actually is in Antarctica again, interestingly enough, but it's another world first, something not being done. Um, we both have babies, so obviously we are busily speaking very nicely to our other halves
2: yeah.
1: um, and trying to work out how we're going to make it work. Um, she's just like me, actually. We're sort of quite last minute <laughs> with things. Um, although, I mean, I say that with a Southpaw, it took me four years to plan and organize that expedition. But um yeah. I think I've kind of l- learned over time that things can be done. You know, if you've got the right, I've got good contacts now. I've got really good support network. I mm-hmm. know I can do it. There's, you know, there's a lot more confidence that I have, Um, you know, if I was going to go and do something like that again. And with the South, with Antarctica, I feel like I know that place. I know what I need to do. I know how we would do it. I know who I would ring immediately if I wanted to start, start a conversation. You know, it's, it's a much, much easier now. So yeah, we've got some sort of ideas going on there. Um, but then, you know, that there's a couple of others as well, but uh, yeah. I'm always quite keen to show that the proof is in the pudding, as opposed to talk about it all beforehand. I want to prove we can do it. I want to go and do it first, and then I'll talk about it.
0: Well, you get you you need to promise me this: when you're ready to go, so a week before you go, we need we'll have a chat and we'll talk Uh, about it.
1: Absolutely, totally, yeah, yeah. Okay, Sure. sure.
0: And then on sort of the same, same line of questioning but farther down the road do you have in mind your first adventure to do with your girls when they're old enough
1: oh definitely so clara who's my four-year-old um she and I, in fact i've got to thank um the balance bike concept do you have that over there in the u.s as well i'm guessing you do the balance bike yeah. well do you know strider bikes Yeah. Yep.
0: They 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 literally are located here in Rapid City. Like oh, I'm like like three miles from their headquarters.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that whole yeah. concept is just mm-hmm. absolutely genius. Absolutely genius. So when she was about two and a half, I got her on a balance bike. Um, and she was within, you know, a couple of months, she was flying along, lifting her feet off. I then bought her the next bike with pedals and... Um, within 10 minutes she was cycling and she was just turned three years old um at three and a half we went out for a 15 kilometer cycle you know wow. I, I just think the balance bike has revolutionized you know child cycling it's brilliant mm-hmm. and um she loves it. she's forever she wakes up in the morning and the first thing she says is mommy can we go for a bike ride she absolutely loves it and so you know i'd love to go and just you know do certainly some cycle touring showing her some countries and again you know i'm in sweden at the moment and the cycle network out here the cycle path the cycle network you know it just absolutely amazing and they'll go through the forests and they'll you know they'll run alongside roads and then all of a sudden they'll cut in and go through forests and you know they're just brilliant they're so well set up for it and so i would definitely love to take on a proper little you know with with sleeping bag and tent and a proper little cycle touring adventure, um, I think, you know, we're not far off going and doing that. She's she's four, well, she's four and a half, well, almost four and a half now. Um, and, you know, I think another half a year or so, and I'd love to take her off on on a couple of days cycle touring. So... Yeah, definitely think about it. And, of course, doing one of my mini burn races. Um, I've got one coming up in October now. So I think we'll probably, even though I organize it, we can do it as non-competitive. Um, we'll we'll definitely do the course together because she, she's ready. So, yeah, very excited about that.
0: Yes. Um, actually, you sound very excited about it. It's very cool. <laughs> so,
1: but, yeah. Super. Um,
0: cool. Well, you know what? I didn't know what we were going to talk about. But we talked about really fun things. Thank you.
1: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's really nice. Um, really nice to speak to you. Thank you yeah. for making oh, contact.
0: Okay. Yeah one 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 more quick question. So, do you have anything any kind of a race you're doing yet this year? Or are you kind of done for the year?
1: Well, I wouldn't mind doing one more. Um, I haven't. Sort of, I know that the are is going on in the UK, starting in what two days' time or so. Which, Pretty quick,
0: uh, yeah.
1: Uh, which unfortunately I'll miss that one, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean I would quite like to do another one because I feel really. Although I still can't feel my toes, funnily enough, it's been <laughs> almost three weeks now since Nordics, and the yeah. sending was so was so severe that I think you know I've damaged them. <laughs> the um, yeah the um, yeah, I don't wow. know, in the toes anyway. Um, but I feel really fit and I feel really ready, and I'd love to go and do another one so i will be keeping an eye out on websites to see what's coming up and if there's any teams i want a teammate
0: <laughs> well quite honestly <laughs> usually anybody that's looking for somebody gets in touch with me so
1: ah cool all right yeah well put me on the list and uh... okay i will <laughs> yeah okay
0: I'll... thanks very much for the chat have a nice take the kids out for a nice play tomorrow and thank you
1: no thanks so much really good to talk
0: Okay, bye oh,
1: Bye <laughs>